uh, the things that we're convinced about are God himself revealed in the scriptures and who he is and what he has said is true. And it's to the point that it's true that we're willing to kind of decide our life is going to go the way that God says it needs to go. And so we've been looking at when that happens in a life, when you become convinced to the point that you're going to make decisions and you're going to be directed by God himself, uh, life flows differently than if you're an unconvinced person. And so we've been looking at the last few weeks what that looks like. And uh, we're going to be wrapping up that today, uh, really talking about the, the idea of enduring faith. But before I do that, I just wanted to let everyone know uh, this is, again, a time to renew uh, the membership here at Church in the Valley. And I mentioned this uh, last week. And if you're not a member of Church in the Valley, and if you are a member of Church in the Valley, I still want you to, to pay attention because this is a good opportunity to learn a little bit about uh, what we're all about here at Church in the Valley. And I've said Church in the Valley like 15 times in the past like 30 seconds. So I'm going to stop saying that. But here at church, uh, there's a flyer in your program that has what membership looks like. And again, if you're just checking out uh, who we are, uh, this is a good opportunity for you to, to learn more about us. And if you are a member here at Church in the Valley, uh, we give you an opportunity each year to renew uh, your commitment to this church. And what that means is uh, you have committed to join the team. And each year we want everyone to decide again. Yeah, I want to continue uh, in my membership. I want to continue with the commitments that I've made. And because this is a volunteer uh, membership and because it's volunteer, we can all choose to commit or not commit. And that's what you find as you walk with God. It's something that we have free will. And certainly in church life, the same free will exists. But what I found here is we have so many good people that out of their free will and out of their goodwill have decided that they want to make Church in the Valley happen. And so uh, this morning and next week, we're going to be continuing to give you an opportunity to renew uh, your membership. And you'll see the card there uh, inside the program that has what the commitment looks like. And we just ask that you uh, let us know what you're thinking. And if that's to renew your membership, you can let us know. If you have some questions, you can let us know. Uh, if you're moving and you just don't think you can continue your membership, you can let us know that. If you're not a member, you can also let us know if you'd like more information. Uh, we offer some classes at Church in the Valley that give you a, an opportunity to learn more about us and to take the necessary steps to become a member. And so we'd love for you to check that out as well. So either way, if everyone could fill that out and then drop that in the offering, like Barry mentioned, there's a bucket that's going to come by and you can drop that in there with your completed connection card. Uh, that would be a real big help to us. And I just wanted to say... Uh, really thank you to all the members of Church in the Valley and even the regular tenders that make us go week to week, that make us transform a high school into a church, that connect with people, that lead groups, that lead teams, that do all the things that are necessary to make a church happen. So I just wanted to thank you and express my appreciation for all that, that you guys do. And so it really is a pleasure to, to lead you and to be a part of what God's doing here uh, in the San Gabriel Valley. So invite you to check that out and fill that out and you can drop that in the offering. So as I mentioned, that felt like a long just intro, just sidebar, but it is important. But as I mentioned, we're wrapping up the series today called uh, Convinced. And today's series or title of the message is called Hold On. And when you think about compelling titles, that may not be like top five, but it really is true. There's a part of living a convinced life where you just have to hold on. And you have to remain convinced. You have to continue to walk with God no matter what life 
throws at you. And the more convinced you are, the more you're able to hold on. And today we're going to be talking about that's kind of what faith is in the faith journey. It's the sense of you hold on when you follow Jesus Christ and you decide that no matter how, where the journey takes you and the twists and the turns and the obstacles and the ups and downs, you're, you're going to hang in there. And you're going to hang in there with him because he, God himself, gives us the power to do so. But before I kind of jump into the scriptures, I wanted to paint a picture of what kind of faith looks like over the course of a life. And it really is like running a marathon. Now, has anyone ran a marathon that's here today? Okay. I'm sorry. No, just kidding. I have ran. Now, I say ran, and I put that in quotations because I have ran a marathon. It was more like I survived a marathon. And I know what it takes to run a marathon. And it, like any long race and any kind of thing that you have to do that exerts physical energy, you have to plan for it. You have to train for it. And there's lots of things that go into running a race, especially a marathon. It's 26.2 miles. And people actually pay to do that. And they call it fun. And back in 2006, I decided that I wanted to be a part of this fun thing of running a longer distance than any human should. And I trained for this marathon for three months and it entailed running every week and then doing the long runs, which means you take like a few hours of your day on Saturday, you get home and you want to eat whatever you see in sight and you want to eat as much food as possible. And then you want to sleep the rest of the day. That's what a marathon's like. I want to sleep as much and I want to eat as much and then I want to run as much. And that's kind of what a marathon is. Now, you can tell my experience was probably not the most like Iron Man type experience. And looking at me, you could see why. I'm not a marathon type guy. Every run that I make, like there's a lot of weight that exerts on your knees. And I, I'm not what they call like the marathon runner. But I still thought, you know, this is something I want to do. It will be a test of my endurance. It will be something that, that I want to experience for myself. And so I trained for three months, like I mentioned. And then the week before I ran... My sister was visiting me and she had been in England and was coming to visit us and she had the stomach flu and they came and stayed with us and lo and behold, they had the stomach flu. And the thing about stomach flus is the, those are highly contagious and what she had, I had and I got. And then the week before my marathon, I actually was terribly sick and I'll spare you the details, but it was not fun. It was not enjoyable. And that wasn't the real like kind of way you want to enter a marathon, having the stomach flu, not being able to eat, not really being able to sleep that well. But lo and behold, that's what I had before me. Most people would decide, you know, it's probably not good to run a race like that when you've been sick the whole week. But I had trained three months. There was no way I was not going to run this race. And so I'm running the race and I train and I'd ran long distances, about 21 miles in training. And I thought, you know, if I can run 21, I can run 26. It's only five more miles. Well, in the marathon, I'm running and you're like with this group of people and you're kind of fired up because everyone's doing this. And, you know, you start strong and you're excited and everyone's like, you know, waving and pumped up. Some people are in costumes. and You're like, wow, that's going to hurt. Mile 22. How's that going to work? And you're running and running. And then all of a sudden at mile nine, I hit what they call the wall. OK, and that was when my body said, this has been fun, Alex. And at mile nine, I was running with this gal and she'd ran like three or four marathons. She's like, yeah, I just love the experience. I was like, well, that's great. 
She's like, yeah, just I try to keep the same pace and it helps if you run with people. I'm like, yeah, that really, that really does help. And all of a sudden my body just stopped kind of functioning. Like what I had with legs was now filled with concrete and I felt like I was cramping and I couldn't really move. And all of a sudden I was like, hey, thanks. Nice talking to you, but I'm going to, I think I'm going to have to walk this a little bit. She's like, are you sure? Come on, keep on. I was like, no, I'm, I'm good. And I, I began to walk and I began to get concerned because I had a lot of race left. And I can only explain in a very concise way that it was probably one of the hardest things that I had ever done. And that was from mile nine to mile 26.2, trying to convince myself that I could do it. And so I'd run, I'd run like 50 yards. My legs would start cramping and stretch it out, run some more, 50 more yards. And I just thought, this is going to be the longest day of my life. And I began to get concerned. I began like mentally, like I just was overwhelmed. And I just thought like, I can't do this. I, this isn't, what am I going to do? And it just began this test. And it was probably the worst race of any running I'd ever done. And it was on the day that I wanted to do the best. But the bottom line is like a marathon. The goal really is, is to finish. It is. I had kind of an idea of the time I wanted to run per mile, but at mile nine, I threw that out the window. That wasn't going to happen. I didn't get anything for style points. I didn't get anything for running a certain time. I, I just had to finish. And that's the goal of a marathon. Something that you endure enough so you can finish. And I finished, and I decided that I don't think I'll ever do that again. But I finished. But that idea of a marathon is, is the same as... as Living life, and especially living life in faith, it's something that you have to figure out, how do I continue in life and endure over time? How do I make sure that I, I don't just fizzle out, that my life actually lasts to make a real impact? And that's what we've been talking about. How do you make an impact over the whole course of your life? How do I make sure that I don't waste it? How do I make sure that what I invest in actually turns out to be the right investment. And all of us need to take those times where we stop and we look at what we're doing with our life, what we're building, and decide, okay, is this something that's going to endure over time? Is this something that I'm going to be able to stand on, a foundation that over the course of my life will support me? There'll be something that I can actually build on. And what we've been talking about in this series is the fact that when you pursue a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you decide to do life his way and allow him to lead you, you decide that his foundation is the foundation worth living your life on. That it can support your life. It can actually lead you to making an impact. And so today, we're going to talk a little bit more about that idea of enduring faith. And what you find in the scriptures, enduring faith is, is the key to living convinced over a lifetime. It's that idea of endurance. And there's a scripture in the book of Hebrews, which is really written to encourage us. And it's written to encourage us to, to hold on, to keep the faith, to keep really pursuing the things that matters. And so as we wrap up this series, I thought this scripture really paints a nice picture of, of basically what we've been talking about. And so I just want to walk through this passage and just draw out some practical helps that Give a sense of how do you hold on? How do you actually continue in the things that you've been convinced about? And if you're here and, and you're not really convinced of much of anything and you're trying to figure out life and you may be skeptical, especially about Christianity, especially about Jesus Christ, 
Uh, you may be here and you've committed your life to Christ, but you're just discouraged, you're weighed down by life and all the complexities of it. This scripture is really designed, no matter where you are, to give you a sense that this life is worth living. And it's worth living God's way. And the writer of Hebrews is writing with that angle to give you a sense of there's more going on than just what you feel in the moment. And how about you, but that is so helpful. I get so caught up in the day-to-day problems I face that I can get overwhelmed. Uh, this past week, our family, actually over the last few weeks, we, we've had sickness. And I'm like, I'm one of those terrible, sick persons. Is that even how you say that? But anyways, when I, when I get sick, I'm kind of that guy like the world is falling apart. Okay? Some of you may not be like that, but I am. When there's sickness, it's like nothing is right. In this past week, two weeks, the kids have been sick. My wife has been sick. I've been fighting sickness. And there's a thing in like, well, that's all I, I think is happening. How are you doing? We're just sick. What's going on? We're just sick. Everything's just sickness everywhere. And you just, nothing is normal. Everything's unsettled. And with that, it feels like that's all I see. And that's how life can be at times. What you face, it feels like that's the only lens in which you can see. You have problems, and that's all you can see. You've got relationship difficulties, that's all you can see. You have conflict, that's all you can see. You've got stresses, that's all you can see. So the writer of this scripture is saying, despite what you think is the only thing you can see, there's more going on. And so this is like perspective, okay? Saying, despite your lens, take off your shades and all you have, and look, there's something else. And so this is, this is helpful. And so I want to just set that up because I think it helps kind of set the tone. So this is what it says. says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Okay. In Hebrews chapter 11, the chapter right before this, the writer is describing the heroes of the faith. These are like the people who've decided to live for God and have faith in him that his way is best. Okay. They're going to take him seriously. They're going to follow him. They're going to live their lives his way. And the writer is saying all these people lived a life of faith and they endured to the end. They didn't give up. They didn't bail. They kept the faith. And so what he's saying is, is these heroes, their lives that we can read about in the scriptures, in the Old Testament, the old stories of people that have followed God, these heroes can teach us. And so the writer is saying, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, okay, So the picture is these people who've gone before us that have now died and they're living in eternity with God himself. We're living our lives before them. There's an eternal audience that we do not see, but that is there. So he's saying, therefore, since you live surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us. Now, I forgot to say that, but that's why I was talking about the marathon. Because in this passage, you see that this is what he's comparing it to, this analogy of faith in God is this race that you are running. And it's not a sprint. It's not a hundred yard dash. It's a marathon, something that is going to cost you. It's not going to be easy. So he's saying you've got to throw off the things that cling so closely, the obstacles, the sins, the weights, 
And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated on the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Okay, again, there's some perspective going on. How do you hang in there? How do you live life God's way? Even when there's things that are weighing you down, even when you have concerns, even when you have stresses, even when you're not sure if God is there and if he's listening. So I just want to draw out some things that we can learn from this passage that kind of speak to that. So the first is, for you to kind of hang in there and realize that following Christ is worth it, you have to remember those who have endured before you. And this is just a part of our human nature. We always have to be remembering those who have gone before us. History and people who have lived for noble things and specifically have lived for God and his purposes. Those are supposed to be the people that we look to for heroes. These people should encourage us. That's why it's so helpful to look and to learn from others, especially people that have lived their life to the end. God's way. These are our heroes. Now, we all have kind of heroes in our head, especially on days like this, when we look at sports and Super Bowl. I was telling my wife, this is just this just shows you kind of in America. I was like, man, this is like my favorite holiday. And my wife said, Super Bowl is not a holiday. And I thought to myself, well, it should be. Like, I, I literally, I forgot. Like, I was kind of fired. I was like, man, this is like my favorite holiday. It's like Thanksgiving and Super Bowl. Those are like my two favorite holidays. It's not even a holiday. But like the people like that play this game, they become our heroes. The athletes, they become our heroes. I don't know what it is. It's just we, we're attracted to that. And what they do. And their abilities. It's like, it's awesome. And you can get all into it. Entertainers, movie stars. These people become our heroes. But what the scriptures are saying is we actually have to have a different type of hero. Not to just have ability, but actually live life a certain way. Those are the real heroes. And there's a sense in which as we read the scriptures and you get to know God more and the people that have walked with God, these people, even in their sin and the mistakes they make, the people that really finished well, they're supposed to be examples to us. They're supposed to show us what really mattered. And that's what's helpful about looking at a life that somebody's lived. You can see. Did God come through for them? Was God real for them? What difference did that, that make? So again, you see that we don't live our life in a vacuum. There's a part of this that's kind of overwhelming because I don't know about you, but I kind of grew up like you live your life your way. Right? You just live your life your way. And as long as you did what makes you happy, that's okay. That's kind of a common sentiment. As long as you do what makes sense to you and you live life your way, you're good. Well, the thing is, you actually can live your life your way, but you don't live your life in a vacuum. My decisions, your decisions, they affect people. They affect our kids, they affect our spouses, they affect our coworkers, our neighbors. What we do, it's not in a vacuum. And in fact, the writer of Hebrews is saying, not only do you not live life in a vacuum, but there's a whole cloud of people that are watching you. That includes God. Nothing is hidden from God's sight. He sees everything. 
The people that have gone before us, the cloud of witnesses, the heroes of the faith, they, they can see. Angels, demons, they can see. There's a sense in which we are living our life before this eternal audience. And what we do actually matters. Does that freak you out a little bit? There's a part of you like, wait, what? God sees. I don't live like that a lot. I try to act like, well, God sees, but like if I go over here in this corner where it's really dark, like he can't see that. And that's where I want to do what I really want to do. I want to do the stuff that makes me happy. But in the scriptures, God sees over here. Just like he sees here. He sees everything. And so there's this cloud of witnesses, including God himself, that are watching. And we live our life before them. But the way you endure is you look and you realize that people have actually taken God at his word and taken him seriously. And they decided that his way was worth it. There's a, the word in there, cloud of witnesses. In the Greek, that comes from the word martis, which is where we get our word martyr. So really, it's since we live our life before a great cloud of martyrs, people who have died for their faith, People who have died for their faith that decided no matter the people that were persecuting them and coming against them, they were not going to renounce God. These people, these martyrs, should encourage us. Now, I don't think I've ever been close to being martyred for my faith. Not in this country. But sometimes I get stressed by just my workload and I'm just starting to freak out. So it's perspective. It helps. We're not talking about life and death a lot. But there's a sense in which you see what people have laid down to give us an example of living for God. That should make a difference for us. So there's a sense in which it should inspire us and it should call us forward. So that's the first thing. The way you hold on is you have to remember those who have gone before you. We're going to talk a little bit about that later. The second thing is you have to keep dealing with the obstacles that hinder our growth. In any race that you run, there are potential obstacles. Uh, the people that are running the race with you, uh, a lack of training, stomach flu, to name one. There's all sorts of things that could limit the race you run in an event. And the same is true in life. There's obstacles that we face every day that cause us to want to quit the race. Or prevent us from starting the race. And again, there's some that you just, you're trying to figure out, is Christ worth it? You've been trying to investigate Christianity, something you want to do, but you're just still, there's just some obstacles there. Or you have committed your life to Christ and you're running the race, but you're just slowing down and just kind of, oh, I don't know if I want to keep going. I'm just overwhelmed. I don't know if this is worth it. All these things are, are obstacles. And there's kind of categories of them. There's things that, that slow us down. Things that slow us down are just being skeptical. It's okay to have questions about God and Christianity and if he's real. But there's a point in which you can get slowed down to the point where you're so skeptical, you really don't have questions anymore, but you're still not moving forward. What it comes down to is what's slowing you down is, is there's just a stubbornness. You really just want to do things your way. That's a real obstacle. Because if you never decide to run the race, 
it just goes. It keeps going. And you're just on the sidelines. That could slow you down. Another thing that slows you down is, is fear. We have fear that what we face will crush us, will overwhelm us. We have fear that the things we've done, the things we will do, uh, we're just, we're not worth it. God could never love us. These are the things that, that slow us down. These are real obstacles that hinder the race that we run. Another type of obstacle is just hang-ups that you have. A lot of times this is sin. Everyone in here, we sin. And we have certain sin patterns. These are things that we've done for a lot of our life based on who we are and just part of the fall. When I talk about the fall, that's Adam and Eve sand, sinned from the beginning. And because of that, every one of us have sinned. We are born into sin. We're sinful people. But there's a point in which our sin can just overwhelm us and it become a pattern and a pattern and a pattern that we just feel like, I just, I can't. I keep tripping up. I keep trying to run the race. I keep falling down. I keep trying to run the race. I keep falling down. I keep trying to run the race. And you just think, I'm just going to stay. Just stay down. I don't want to run anymore. I'm never going to be able to change. That's a big hang up. The point you think you can't change anymore, you can't live a convinced life. Because if you don't think you can change, then you don't really think God has power. If you don't think God has power, then why would you follow him? So those are real hang-ups. Sin and just the thing of, I can't change. So you have to become convinced of that. Another is, is just things that, that, weigh, that weigh you down. And a lot of times this follows the sin patterns that we face. One of my sin patterns is people-pleasing. Okay? I'm just going to be real. And this is, I really care what people think. I do. I care what people think. And it's been something that I've seen God grow me in over time. But there's always that part we have to wrestle with sin. And then when you fail and you give in to the sin, whatever pattern that is, you beat yourself up. How can I do that? I should know better. And you, you know, you distance yourself from God. It's a game. I've sinned. I'm going to just kind of distance myself from God because I feel like a failure. And then you have to decide, well, how much time passes before I feel better and can go back to God? You guys ever played that game before? When am I okay? Is he still mad at me? What's going on? You know, you just kind of play this out in your mind. Well, those things, they weigh you down. Kind of the guilt, the shame. These are all the obstacles that prevent us from running the race God has. So what I do when I find that shame and when I battle the things that weigh me down just as I just have regret and guilt, I just have to confess that to God. God, I messed up. And I've asked for your forgiveness and I know that you forgive me. God, will you help me not to be ashamed? Will you help me not to be overwhelmed by the guilt that I feel? Because right now I, I just feel like I, I can't approach you. I just feel like you're distant. There's a gap between us. But I know with your forgiveness there is no gap. Because your grace covers my sin. You have to tell yourself that. Your grace covers my sin. And that's why in the passage it talks about let us throw off the weights. Does that sound passive or active? It's like running and you have ankle weights. Now some people run with ankle weights for training. I have no idea why you'd want to throw more weight on your body to run a race. 
but some do. But the picture is here. If you have weights that are just weighing you down, you're not able to run. You can't wish them off. Man, I sure wish these weights would come off. I wonder if they come off if I run faster. I can't run faster. They're too heavy. Man, these weights are terrible. That's passive. The passage says, let us throw off. It means you have to take those things, you pull them off, and you throw them. You take them off. The way this happens is the things that hang you up, that weigh you down, that slow you down, you have to actively engage your mind. It's a battle to run the race. It's a battle. When the guilt comes, you have to fight against it. You can't accept it. When the shame comes, you have to fight against it. You can't accept it. Do you know how many thoughts I have that come into my mind that I just own and I think is true? You ever had that? Because you thought it, you think it's true. Anybody? Okay. Even that. Thank you. Right? If you think it, it must be true. That's not true. Because you think it, it could be a whole range of things while you have that thought. So you have to line it up. Okay, is that true? Is that true about God? What he said? Is that true about who God says I am? And how you know that? You have to read the scriptures. You have to know. That's the way we know the truth. Not just from our experience. But what does God's word say? Is it true? Well, I don't know. We have to find out. This is you throwing it off. You're battling the battle of the mind. These are all the things that slow us down, that take us out. So that's how you hold on. You have to throw these things, things that weigh you down, and then just take you out. There's things that can take us out. This is like pain that you've had in your life. It could be physical pain. There's so many people that are just hurting from life and just the things that have happened. And physical pain, that, that can actually wear on you. You just don't feel right. You're always in pain. It just, it just, that weight, and it hurts. There's relational pain. There's emotional pain. Things that have happened, these all form scars. And those things, those can just take us out. Again, all we see is the pain. It's the only thing we can see. Uh, there's failure. Again, it goes back to, well, I, I can't figure this out. I keep doing the same things I've always done. And you beat yourself up. You beat yourself up. You beat yourself up. And the weights on your legs are just weighing you down, weighing you down. You can't move. There's a flip side of this. This is all kind of the side of when we're, you know, we just think we've blown it. I mean, I, I fight that a lot. Just inside my head, I've blown it. I'm not good enough. Life's too hard. We're all sick. But then there's the other side of success. This is when things go well. But this can be a weight and an obstacle just like the others. Because what tends to happen is, God, I need you. I'm just struggling. I can't face life. This is too hard. And then God comes through. And the weights come off. Before you're like running again. You're like, wow. See, this is good running form, right? You always have to look to the side. And then you just eat it. But, right? You just, the weights are off. And you're just feeling good about life. And all of a sudden, you're like, God, who's that? This race is awesome. And all of a sudden, your own success and the fact that life goes well, you don't need God anymore. And that itself becomes a weight. Self-provision. Self-improvement. You think 
You've got it. I think I've got it. And that happens to me a lot. God, I need you. The weights are too much. The weights come off. And then it's like, wow, this is awesome. My life is great. And I just forget God. Success is a weight as well. So it's both sides. We struggle and those become obstacles. We have success. Those become obstacles. You see the key here, again, it's not ourselves. It's the faith that God will come through. When there's success, we thank Him for it. And we ask Him for help to please Him with what we do, what we say, what we think. When we struggle, we don't distance ourselves. We turn to Him. We ask Him for help. This is what enduring faith, this is how you hold on over the course of your life. You do this and you battle and you don't give up. I don't know about you, but that's not like, you know, turn your life over to God and you're never going to have a problem the rest of your life. Isn't that sometimes kind of what we want when we think of Christianity, like problem free? It's not problem free because life still has problems. But we actually have the one who can help us. And this is the last thing that you get from that passage. That's when you actually turn to Jesus. Despite the obstacles, despite the weights, you have to get to a point to hold on and to just stay in there and hang in there. You have to turn to Jesus himself. And the passage is interesting. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. How do we have faith? Well, it's because of Jesus Christ. He's the founder of it. There is no faith without Jesus. That's why he told people, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one gets to God except through Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be the founder and perfecter. That's his role alone. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. We have the grace to throw off the obstacles and the weights that hit us in life because of what Jesus Christ has done. He went to the cross on our behalf to take all the things that weigh us down, the sins that we commit, the sins that we've done, all the battles, all the struggles. He endured the cross despising the shame and is seated on the right hand of the throne of God. And it goes on, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. Now listen to this last part. So that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. This passage is telling us there's a part where you are going to get to the point when you're tired out. You could be tired out from wrestling with God. You kind of get the sense that you really need to turn your life over to Him, but you just kind of want to still hold on to control. There's a part in which you grow weary from just, you keep doing the right things, it just seems like it's not helping. And so you doubt, like, does this make a difference? Weary and faint-hearted and just the, this idea of, when, when's my life going to get better? And you struggle, we all struggle with those things. But no matter where we are, there's a sense you have to go back to Jesus himself. And with the difficulties, his life puts it in perspective. Not only did he face things that we will never face, 
And he endured things that we will never have to endure. He did those things so that we could have a relationship with God. He did those things so we can run the race. When I think about that, I think there is a great cost to having a relationship with God. It comes through the life of Jesus who gave it up for us. So that's why, before the cloud of witnesses, we can decide that I'm not going to just let life happen to me. And I'm not just going to give up. And I'm not just going to assume that God doesn't care. And I'm not just going to assume that I can't change. And I'm not just going to assume all the things that kind of keep me from experiencing the life that God has for me. We don't do that because we realize Jesus paid a price. So I just want to wrap up this morning by encouraging you. And we're all in different places. Some of you have been coming maybe to Church in the Valley for a while or even a short time and you're new to Christianity and you're still investigating. And you may be trying to think like, is this real? Because maybe your whole life you've not really heard this or lived this or understood this. So I invite you, you have to keep investigating and asking questions. Because you have to become convinced that God's way is enough for you to pursue a relationship with Him through Jesus Christ. So you have to be convinced enough that you decide He will call the shots in your life. His way is the best way. Now you may not know what that's going to look like. You may not know fully the cost of that. But you have to be convinced enough that you're willing to let Him lead you. That's what it means to become a Christian. So for some of you, it may be deciding for the first time, you need to do that. Some of you that you made that decision years ago, and you just, you're floundering in your faith. And there may be some things, some sin patterns, there may be some struggles, there may be some thoughts, maybe just some things that just you have become consuming to you. And it's all that you see. God wants to free you from that this morning. So it all, no matter where you are, it goes back to looking toward Jesus Christ. And so maybe it's just confessing sin to him, identifying fears that you have. Maybe it's time to throw off some obstacles, some of the weights that are plaguing you. Maybe for some, it's for the first time, I, I, need, to, I need to turn my life over to him. There's a, there's a passage at the end that I think frames kind of why this is important. It's at the end of 12. And it says this, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It's the idea of foundation. There's no cracks to it. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Whenever the scriptures talk about God being a consuming fire, it's to convey his power. Then when it comes down to it, there's a right way to live. And what God is a consuming fire does, he burns everything. And what you see is what's left is what really matters. And the scripture is saying, when you commit your life to follow Christ, and when you deal with the obstacles that you have, and you look to Jesus Christ, you're a part of a foundation that does not change. You're part of a foundation that cannot be destroyed. You're a part of the kingdom of the King, who is God. So I just want to ask each of us um, just to kind of consider that and ask God, well, what does that mean for me? If you could pull out your connection card, 
Uh, there are some next steps uh, at, uh, on the back side that you can fill out just related to today's message. I encourage you to take one of those next steps or just consider what's a step that you can take. As the band comes up, we're going to sing another song. But I just want to ask you, just consider one of those steps. What's something that, that you can do today? Maybe it's to decide to commit your life to follow Jesus Christ. You've never done that before. Uh, maybe it's to memorize the scripture that we talked about today. Or maybe there's just some obstacles that you know you're dealing with and you need to throw those off. So I, I encourage you to do that and see what God does as, as you take those steps towards him. Let's pray together. God, we do thank you for the help that you bring. And I know for all of us, there's just different battles that we have, different things that we face, and uh, thoughts that aren't true, uh, things that have happened to us, things that we've done, regret, shame. There's all sorts of things. But God, despite what we've done, uh, you draw near to us and you actually give us the grace and you forgive us. And in you, we actually have hope for our future. We have hope for our present. And we actually have relief from our past. And so I thank you for the reminder of the scriptures. And I thank you for the heroes of the faith that have gone before us. And we want to consider you and your ways and choose wisely as we live our life. So we ask for your help as we do this. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.